welcome to Worship Matters, the podcast that deals with the intricacies of planning worship with and for your faith community. I'm Derek Weber, Director of Preaching Ministries and Discipleship Ministries, the General Agency of the United Methodist Church, located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast has been developed to discuss ways to plan worship experiences using the Common Lectionary, along with acknowledging other special days and events throughout the liturgical year. Our goal is always to assist you in creating corporate worship celebrations that are engaging, relevant, and acceptable for your church setting. However, during these unprecedented days of social distancing and leading online worship, we have tried to bring conversations that share the challenges of producing online worship and finding ways to help congregations stay engaged and feel connected even from a distance. So today I have with me a special guest, Kevin Johnson, who's Director of Children Ministries here at Discipleship Ministries. Now, due to the coronavirus, our office is still closed and the entire Discipleship Ministries staff are working remotely. So Kevin and I are recording this podcast from our homes. So I want to say welcome, Kevin. Thank you for being with us today, especially as you are home recovering from knee surgery. So how is the recovery going? It's going well. I, uh, I've been dealing with the, the, the knee surgery or the, the pre-surgery uh, experiences of, of hobbling around the house, limping around, being in a lot of pain for several months. And so the surgery actually corrected all that. And now it's just a matter of getting the swelling down and going through PT and, and, and rehabbing it and getting back up to, day, to daily activities. But it's, it's going well. And uh, you know, the recovery has is, is given me something else to do while I'm stuck quarantined and, and home alone, so. <laughs> Good. Well, I was glad you were willing to talk to us even, even through that recovery, and I understand this afternoon you have a PT session. I do have a PT session, and, and I'm, I'm curious. Is it, the last time I was in there, we just were sharing stories with the physical therapist, another girl and her mom going through rehab and therapy, and and they were just laughing and, and can counting, you know, we were just having a good conversation. And at some point, one of them looked at me and said, aren't you a pastor? I didn't realize pastors laugh that much. And I'm like, <laughs> well, we need a little humor in our, in our today's day and age for sure. sure. And, and certainly in the church is, is no exception. So I'm glad to, to be a part of the church and ministry experience. And you get a little laughter out of the, today's society as well. Well, and I would think anyone who wants to work with children, if they can't laugh, they've got a big handicap going well, into that. It's a challenge, yeah. You, you got to be able to, to think on your feet and be, you know, uh, able to change your response immediately and be flexible, certainly. So, uh, you know, I've, I've been with uh, Discipleship Ministries for a year now, uh, yesterday, I guess, mm-hmm. as you have been yep. as well, yep. Derek. And, and so we've celebrated one year anniversary, and it's been an a very eventful, weird, interesting year. That's certainly the case with the working from home and working remotely. And we moved to Tennessee and then we're told six months later, you're going to work from home now. So I'm not <laughs> sure how we're sorting through that. But uh, and yeah. but I've been in children's ministry for many, many years. Uh, I'm a second career pastor, uh, ordained elder in the Kentucky Conference of the United Methodist Church. But first year, first career I worked with uh, group homes and troubled youth and sexually and emotionally abused kids for the most part. And I worked in rehab, physical rehab hospitals with spinal cord and 
so injuries especially. So using a wheelchair after this knee surgery, I'm, I'm comfortable doing that and knowing how to operate one of those. Been um, there, done that. But so my first, my, so my first exposure into the ministry in the Methodist church was, I, was, I can remember, my first memory was uh, I was five years old and we were a part of the preschool at the, the local Methodist church that my family that my mom and dad took me to. And I can remember uh, one day um, early on in, in that school year, they put all my friends in a different class in, in the, the other kindergarten class. And so I was out in the hall with a little girl hanging our jackets up or something in the, in the hallway. And I just fell dead, laid out on the ground. And she screamed and cried and something's wrong with Mr. Kevin. He's, he's down. And so uh, the teacher shook me and no response and got no response. And, and they got me up to the, the table, the desk of the, of the classroom and, and they called an ambulance and then they called mom. And in those days you didn't have cell phones or anything like that. So mom answered the phone and they, they said, something's happened to Kevin. He's not responding. He's just, you know, he was found laid out in the hall of the church. And so mom, you know, hurried up and panicked and, and got over there to the, to the church and, and I was just laying up on the desk and, and my head down. And, and I heard the teacher say, we can't get him to respond. We can't get anything out of him. And then I heard my mom's voice, Kevin. And I just popped right up and, and I said, you know, mom, what are you doing here? And uh, she and I distinctly remember the teacher saying, oh, he's, he's okay. Should we call and cancel the ambulance? And I remember my mom saying, no, uh, because when I'm through with him, he still may need an ambulance. And so <laughs> then... Uh, then I got the curse that every child gets from their parents of when you get older, I hope you have kids that are as bad as you are or as mischievous as you are. And just to show that God has a sense of humor, God not only put kids in my life, he put hundreds and hundreds of other people's and families' kids in my life as I've spent years working in children's ministry. So, you know, you, you learn how to, to, to laugh and be flexible, certainly with, with children's ministry. So what, what kinds of things do you do through discipleship ministries? Are you providing resources? Are you teaching? Are you connected with children? What, what, what do you do day by day? So there, there's a, a variety of resources that are provided, um, you know, effective children's ministry in, in all aspects. Faith formation, obviously, in the discipleship office is part of a huge part of our role. How do you form faith and shape faith in the lives of children um, and, and through maturation to adulthood? And, you know, part of that is worship, the experience in worship. Part of that's the Christian education models that have changed over the years from the traditional Sunday school class to small groups to, to you know, vacation Bible school, those kind of things, and provide resources and, and creative ways of doing those things as, as we change as a church over the years, but seemingly curriculum doesn't ever change uh, to the, the same fashion as, as the church does. And so... What does that look like for kids that don't know church or families that aren't experienced growing up in the church? How do you offer that? How do you provide that? And so resourcing is, is a big part of it. Um, connection with, with other Methodist churches and other children's leaders um, to, to offer you know, a diverse variety of, of opportunities, programming um, that includes all aspects and all contexts. Um, one of the things I've learned real quick is that Methodist churches come in all shapes and sizes. And so when you talk about virtual worship or, or Zoom calls in, in today's corona world, 
you know, some churches just don't have the technology or the capacity to do that. Um, a big part of my role is, is uh, to provide safe sanctuary knowledge and, and um, the abilities for churches to, to offer safe sanctuaries and provide safe spaces for all the children and families and volunteers. And, and some of the, the challenges for some churches are different than others. Finding two non-related adults to work with kids in some churches is difficult. They just don't have that many volunteers. And so uh, that's a part of my role as well is, is just um, providing safe sanctuary policies and, and knowledge as, as well. And then, and then part of, I think, the role of, of children's ministry director and, and young people and, and adult discipleship and all of our team and, and strategic programming is, is to just work as a team and, and know that you know, churches and ministry is, is inclusive and it, include, it needs to include voices from all ages and, and all demographics. So working, I'm very much proud to be a part of a team that's working together to, to provide this information. Yeah, that's, it, it is an integrated role. And, and too often we separate things into their little boxes so that we can deal with the children here and the youth there and the seniors there and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's, it's worship, of course, that, that guides our thinking in on the worship team. And so that's, what I wanted to spend most of our time talking about. And I thought I'd start with, uh, as a preacher, the, one of the things that used to get under my skin just a little bit was how many times after a, a worship service, the people out of the congregation would come to me and say, you know, pastor, we get more out of your children's sermons than we do out of the regular one. <laughs> so I'm just curious, what is it about children's sermons that appeal to adults as well? What, what is a good children's sermon in, in your view? Well, I think there's there's different elements of reasoning for that response. And I can remember back in my seminary days, we would have classes where you'd read the books from dead theologians that were, you know, a thousand pages long and have to discuss what you read in class. And and, and ultimately, the, the class, my colleagues, classmates would always say, I want to hear what Kevin wants to, has to say about this, because he puts it in terms of a third grader's understanding. And, and I said, that's the only way I can get it. That's the only way I can understand it is to put it in the third graders understanding. But so I think there's an element of that that's found in the children's message. I think there's a vulnerability that happens when the pastor comes down out of that pulpit area and, and exposes him or herself to some more honest vulnerability. Anytime you're with kids and you ask a question, you better be prepared for any kind of response sure, sure. Um, or don't ask the question. And so I think there's an element of, of that vulnerability that's shared um, that's not experienced necessarily from the, the pulpit. I think communication changes when the, when the pastor comes down or whoever's leading the, the children's moment between that communication avenue and, you know, preaching from a pulpit or from a, a podium. Um, you're, you're more intimate when you're down there um, with a group of kids up front and center. Um, I can remember you know, years of doing children's moments, people would come up to me and say something similar to, you know, um, I know you're not just talking to those kids during children's moment. You're talking to everybody in the sanctuary. And I'm like, really? I mean, I'm glad you figured that out because that's what we're doing. Um, we're just kind of letting the adults eavesdrop into that conversation, but they're getting something out of it. And I think that goes back to, you know, that that team and inclusivity of of what church needs to be and and. A lot of times, I think one of the things that we struggle with as faith formation understanding is adults sometimes need a lot more help in faith, shaping their faith and forming their faith than, than the kids do. 
And, and sometimes the sermon's over their heads. As, as adults, they won't admit it unnecessarily because they're embarrassed or they don't know how to use scripture as much as they should or, or how to pray as much as they could. And, and when they see the kids getting grasping the concepts, um, it's easier for them to grasp as well. So I think there's an honesty and a vulnerability that happens um, in that area of, of worship. I think one of the things that works well is if you seemingly seamlessly thread that worship piece of worship experience through the rest of the service. In other words, don't make the children's moment just some loose element that has nothing to do with the rest of the entire service. Um, It's not meant to be, you know, cute and and laugh at the kids. And hopefully one of the kids will say something funny that we can all laugh at because laughing at a kid is not the the need of, of what the children's sermon is. It's to get the engagement there. No, it, it, it moves the worship along. It is a part of that. That's why I've always advocated that the preacher does that. I know some preachers don't feel gifted in, in that area, and, and there are some children leaders in churches that are very good at that, but, but to work together so that it does have that. I also think, and I think you were hinting at this, um, that there's a practicality about the children's message that is often missing in a, the adult sermon, quote-unquote, they're not, you know, we're always trying to find a way to grind, ground it in real life. And we ought to be doing yeah. that with the whole sermon, but but too often it's just an idea or a thought. And and that's what people are leaning into. What can I do now? And, and we're always giving hands-on stuff. To I think, yeah, I think that's a, a good quality element of an effective children's message is, is that tangible or, you know, a lot of children's sermons will have props or yeah. use some sort of visual object. And that ties into the multiple intelligence learning of the child, but it also get, reinforces something that they're going to see somewhere later in life. I can remember, you know, for years in our children's church model that we did, um, once we left the sanctuary, we would take the elementary kids to do their own worship that they led, and they would pick songs, and we'd sing worship songs, and they inevitably would always sing a VeggieTales song because they liked it. And I told them early on, I said, the disclaimer is we'll sing one VeggieTales song every week, but you're going to have to put your thinking caps on and get creative and tell me what this has to do with church or God, or we even use the, you know, the big word theology and described and defined what that meant. And so they, you know, their, their, their suggestions were all over the place, but one week they, you know, they chose the song bubble wrap and, and it was all about just wrapping things in bubble wrap. And so then, you know, and one of the kids afterwards said, God's love is like bubble wrap and it will protect you no matter where you go or no matter where you are in life. And then another kid immediately said, I see bubble wrap all the time at Walmart. And I thought, so, so I just called it. I said, see, now when you, every time you go to, to Walmart and you see bubble wrap, what are you going to think of? And they say, God. And so that it reinforces that, sure. that visual element reinforces the, the teachable moment. And so, yeah. and, I, and I think kids not only respond to that, but so do adults. And, and, and that makes that, that worship service last and linger throughout the week. There ought to be something to see from what we preach, something to see that's in the world that we can then look at. I, I, I've I met, I, yeah, I met a, a pastor up in Maine, senior pastor of a church, and his first career was meteorologist, the local weatherman on the television show. And mm-hmm. for many years, he was bivocational because the meteorology gig paid a little bit more than the church did. But he would, children's moments would always be some sort of meteorology science experiment because he knew how to do that kind of thing. 
Right. Can you imagine captivating the child's and the congregation's attention doing science experiments? I mean, you know, sure. anybody, any kid loves to blow something up I would <laughs> think, you know, in a science experiment sort of way. So, yeah. you know, that they're going to remember those kind of things. So let me, let me piggyback on something else that you, you talked about. Um, you said we would leave worship and go do our own worship service. Where, where do you stand on that whole idea of whether children should even be in the worship service or have a separate kind of thing or be there part of the time and then leave? And what advice do you give to churches who are wrestling with that? Question? Yeah, it's a, it's a challenge. I mean, cause I've seen churches, you know, respond different ways in various mm-hmm. ways and try different things. And, and, and ultimately I go back to the, the simple thought of children model what they see. And so, you know, you can remember back when you're, a, a young parent as a man shaving and, and the imagery of that little child next to you shaving with their fake blade and, and fake razor and shaving cream, modeling what dad is. And when I grow up, I'm going to be like that. Well, church is no different. So the kids are going to model what they see. And if worship experience is part of that, um, they can't model it if they don't see it. And so I think one of the, the, the challenges is a lot of churches um, in today's society, in today's world, will silo ministries. And we'll put children's ministry down in the basement. We'll put youth ministry somewhere else in a different building. And, and then all of a sudden we have this thought of how do we get everybody to, to worship together? And why are these people not coming to church? And my response has always been, they don't know how to worship. And, and they come in the sanctuary, they're uncomfortable. If they don't know how to use a hymnal, if they don't know how to use a, the scripture, or they don't know if they should be standing or sitting or, or, or in between. And, and so if they model that from their family members or watch other families modeling that behavior, they're going to learn how to do it. And so I think, you know, for me, there's a piece of that that certainly needs to be integrated um, in the life of worship. The challenge a lot of times is we'll put the kids up there front and center for a minute or two and make kind of a spectacle of them, but they're not integrated in the worship service. They're just on the side or in addition to, um, mm-hmm. the actual worship service. I mean, the kids choir will come in and sing a cute song. Inevitably, a kid will knock the microphone down or pull the girl's hair next to him or something, and everybody will laugh, and then they go back to wherever they're going um, or where they came from, but they're not worshiping. They're not learning the value of, of faith formation through worship that way. So I think a big piece of it is modeling. Um, one of the church experiences that I've had, we, we did not include the kids in the worship service, one hour, they started outside the service, and then uh, we did a different hour, and what we discovered was the parents liked that element of kids worshiping with their families for uh, for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, a, the challenge is a lot of parents get embarrassed if their kid gets acts up, and, and inevitably a congregation member may say, you know, can't you quiet that child down, and then they're not coming back to church again, right. they don't feel comfortable, um, but, but they... They want to be a part of that family unit for some point. So we would do an, like an opening song, opening hymn, welcome, um, some elements of worship, then do the children's moment. And then the elementary kids would go on to children's church where we would just continue to worship. It mm-hmm. wasn't activities and snacks and crafts. Um, and I've had kids refuse to come because there wasn't a snack. And, uh, and so we, they said, well, we get snack in, in ch- big church because of communion. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, uh, so then we started doing communion in children's church. But, um, but it, was, it was an extension of we reinforced the scripture lesson, but it also allowed the parents then to 
listen and hear the sermon without being right. you know, maybe distracted by those young kids. Um, but I think there's got to be an element of, of integration yeah. and, and that intergenerational. Um, and a lot of churches do not just may not be equipped to do that, to lead kids out. There may not be enough leadership or volunteers right. to, to lead you know, children's church. I was fortunate enough to be an, an elder that worked full-time in children's ministry. So it was easy for me to find volunteers and, and parents and run that. But um, for a lot of churches, that's a challenge as well. And some churches want those kids to be front and center. And I've seen, you know, areas of pews taken out in the front of the church uh, sanctuary to, to re- be replaced by mats. And, and they call it a playground where the kids can just mm-hmm. do other things while they're in that space. That's a that's a huge step of faith for uh, no pun intended for the congregation to embrace yeah. that. But that's powerful, um, and yeah. that tells the kid we love you as a congregation, and we want you to be a part of this church. So, well, that that to me is is another reason for having them in that space because I agree with the modeling, but but there's also this sense of this is our space too. You know, like you were saying, if if they've never been in there and then all of a sudden they hit a certain age and you're supposed to just go in there, um, if they've never felt like that was their space, they won't they won't be comfortable. So creating spaces for them in the sanctuary, in the worship center, whatever terminology you use, I think it's a yeah, and I think I, I, th- I think that's the the flip of of the script of that's the difference between putting the kids up front and singing a song or for a cute children's moment where they might get a chuckle versus empowering them to be a, a vital part of that faith formations worship service. Yeah. You know, I, I remember early on, we had a, a, a two boys from um, that were from Spanish speaking Latin America and they came to children's church and every week we'd have a prayer leader. And, and the oldest one said, oh, well, I want to be the prayer leader, but can I do it in Spanish? Because I don't speak English very well, and, and I'm more comfortable praying in Spanish. And I said, well, absolutely. I watched Dora. I, I'll translate it. <laughs> and so he started praying and then ended with, uh, you know, the Lord's Prayer in Spanish it, and just spontaneously went that way. And, and I thought, that's so powerful. And then he got comfortable enough to do that, that in a couple months, we took with every now and then we'd take what we call children's church. We would take it to big church and we would invade mm-hmm. and we, our worship service would be the same thing we did in the chapel mm-hmm. with the kids and the kids would lead all the elements. And he, he stood up there and prayed in Spanish, you know, amongst 300 congregation members and, you know, the SPRC chairs just leaving worship in tears because they realized this is, you know, their church and the kids right. realized the same thing. They were empowered and set up for success. And, and it just was a powerful moment to, if you can make an SPR chair move to tears during a prayer, <laughs> you're doing something right. So, you know, sure. it, it was just a powerful moment when, when those kids claim ownership, then you also, it, it's easily becomes, they're going to reach out to their friends and their peer group and evangelism's easy. Yeah. You know, we, we created a video one time that, that I just had the kids film on a parable of the, the vineyard worker, and they reenacted it because we were from Kentucky, so basketball is religion in Kentucky, and so we, we reenacted it with a basketball story. And the kids not only helped make the video, then we showed it in children's church, then we showed it in big church a couple weeks later, and they invited all their friends to say, I'm in a movie, 
in my church. Come to my <laughs> church and watch this. And so they were, you know, it was easy for them to invite and encourage, you know, their peer group to come to church. And so that's a part of, of faith formation as well. Yeah. Let let them lead. Right. So in this in this social distancing and now uh, online church, and I know you mentioned there are some who aren't able to do that, but but those who are able to to do a Zoom worship or Facebook Live or or something, what are you seeing in terms of children's worship uh, that that works well or is somewhat innovative? Um, are, are there churches who are able to grab a hold of this thing and, and make it work to a degree? Yeah, well, the challenges have, have become interesting for me because, you know, in society shifted to Zoom everything and online everything. That For the child, that includes school. And so, you know, we've gone from telling our kids to get off their smart devices and, and limiting screen time, you know, every day to now, that's all they know. And that's all they, they have time to do is screen time and except go out and play or whatever. But um, so church becomes the same concept as it's screen time, Zoom calls, whatever online format that school does. Um, parents have quickly become the spiritual formation directors in a lot of sense because they don't have church to go to or, or drop their kid off in Sunday school. They're, they're now having to lead that family unit more so than ever for a lot of them. And so that's a challenge as well. And how do you monitor uh, safe mm-hmm. sanctuaries when you've got a four or five-year-old trying to figure out how to do a Zoom call? Um, you know, and they don't necessarily have the technology behind it. And that's if you have the technology at all to do that in your home. And so um, one of the things that sadly I've discovered is a lot of churches have focused on other areas of ministry, you know, the online worship, uh, format, which now, if you don't become intentional about putting kids involved, maybe pre-recording the scripture being read by a child versus an adult or something like that to include them, um, you don't hear them because you're on a video call. So they're mm. they're not disruptive. They're not in the room necessarily, even with the worship, unless the parents, you know, are, are allowing that or, or recommending that, encouraging that. And so that's a challenge. Um, I think, you know, a lot of churches have gone away from um, Zoom calls and things like that for kids. They, youth groups do it a lot better than, than the younger child. Mm. Um, there's Facebook pages that have, they'll have activities, they'll have things like that. There are also, you know, um, many avenues of, of con- just connecting. I think the, the key to the importance during this time or any time with the child is relationships. And how do you nurture the relationship that, that honors trust and security and, and safety uh, with a child when you can't necessarily connect to the, with them physically? Um, and physical location is a big part of that. Um, but, you know. So, um, so it's part of, part of your argument is that you're resourcing parents more to, to do that role, to give them I, the materials and the ideas and things like that. Absolutely. I, I think parents you know, need the, the resources, they need to be reinforced that, you know, this is a time for you all as a family to grow, um, do yeah. things together. I mean, they're a part of, of families, you know, I've seen the stories where they'll go out as a family and provide, you know, service or, or in their community or justice issues and respond as a family mm-hmm. to that mm-hmm. um, versus, 
you know, waiting for the, the children's leadership of the church or the youth director of the church or, or you know, senior leadership of the church to, to direct that. It's become more of a family situation, a familial thing, and they're doing it together. And that's a huge thing. Um, how do you pray together? How do you grow as a family um, during this time? So what would happen, you know, projecting forward now, churches are starting to open again slowly and, and with great restrictions and people are coming back or are about to be coming back. And what would happen if we maintain that family connection, even as we start coming back into the place? And I know some churches are, are dealing with social distancing in the pews and where they sit and they have family units. You know, they'll mark off a space, say a family will sit here. And so, so what, what if we continued that and, and said, now hold hands in your family group and as we pray and, and look at one another as we pray and, and continue that that support and strength, you know, I've, as I've worked with children's uh, ministers and directors over the years, they've always said they can only do so much. It's the family that really is supposed to carry it anyway. And so now we're kind of into that by forced. Um, but, but how do we maintain it as we come back together? Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that, you know, as you just named it, um, let the families, we do that well sometimes during the liturgical year. I mean, Advent is a great time to get families up there together right. and read a prayer, say a prayer and read a, a devotion and light a candle. We don't do it on a regular basis as well. Um, but I think, you know, the other piece to that is empower the kids to to lead those prayers of family units and not rely on the parents. I can remember, you know, one of our big programs back in Kentucky again was uh a basketball league where we were came together as at, at the largest where about six churches interdenominational churches um and about 1500 to, to 2000 kids and and finding coaches to coach basketball was very easy because every dad and mom wants you know to relive their childhood and say you know i was a good basketball player <laughs> yeah. but when it came time to halftime and, and leading the the devotion to these group of kids and praying with this group of kids it was challenging and I remember one time uh, I was not there, but one of the uh, other volunteers was was confronted by a coach that said, I can't pray and read. I I'm just not comfortable doing this. How do I do this? And he looked at this group of second grade kids and said, that boy right there can pray. Ask him. And he goes, you mean the second grader can pray for the whole team? He's like, yeah. And so he prayed and then he turned around and said, where'd you learn? Learned it at church. And so you know, again, if we empower these kids to, you know, let's hold hands as a family unit when we come back to church, but let's let the kids take the lead. You know, yeah. how about bringing a kid up to read the scripture or pre-record the scripture um, and, and let them, you know, rehearse it. Don't let them, you know, make set them up for success. But when that That's success right. happens, you know, they claim ownership in, of the church and they're empowered. And, you know, just think of, the, the phrase the children are the future goes away and we just say we have a great family ministry at this church and children are part of our today. Right. Yeah, I think it's all about today and the today that is changing before our very eyes. Well, I appreciate the time that, that you spent with us, Kevin. And, and as I hear with children's ministry, as with worship ministries in general, things are changing and we've got to figure out where we're going and who we're going to be together. But I think that there are some good ideas, some good beginnings with that. So I, I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming to, to talk with us today uh, in all of this. Uh, and I hope your therapy this afternoon goes well. 
And I want to say thank you to all of those who are listening today. Uh, we hope that this podcast has been helpful to you. And remember, you can always find more information at our website at umcdiscipleship.org. So until next time, we'll be praying for and with you and your congregation. So may God continue to bless your worship ministry as you continue to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.